I still need to watch all of this show in order. There is a mixture of sadness, but at the same time, there's a mixture of a little bit of humor, which you can definitely expect in this series. Every character has multiple dimensions, really. Obviously, it's a scripted show, but they don't feel scripted. They feel real. They feel genuine. If kids find value in things, I think there is value in them. Because it is art in its own way, and it is very important. Whatever it is, just own it. You know, love what you do and do what you love. If it's cool to you, then, you know, who cares about what the others say? Welcome to a brand new episode of We're In Between, the podcast that's dedicated to talking about every single episode of As Told by Ginger once a week. I am Patricia. And I'm Casey. And Ashley will be joining us momentarily. She's not here at the moment, but I'm sure she'll be joining us really soon. But this time around, we actually have ourselves a bonus podcast, and we have a very special guest. Uh, She is an actress who has been in many projects, from Broadway to singing to um, audiobooks. But uh, for a lot of people who may know, she was the voice of Dodie Bishop, one of the main characters of As Told by Ginger. We have Aspen Vincent. So, Aspen, welcome to We're In Between. Hi. Thank you. I'm so excited to be with you guys. Awesome. So, um, I'm sure that we'll ha- I mean, we'll ask the traditionally old tropey question. So, uh, where did you get your influences for acting? Oh, gosh. To be honest, I sort of accidentally fell into it. When I was a kid, I think I was nine, my mom brought me to my first audition. Um, It was for a musical of The Sound of Music, and I didn't know what a play was. I, honest to God, thought that I was auditioning for the movie, even though I had grown up watching the movie. That didn't even make any sense. And I sang a hymn for my audition song. <laughs> so bad. What was the what was the hymn? What was the hymn? It was Psalm 139. Uh, I remember that, but I don't know how it it must have just been just awful. And I wore like a fancy white church dress, like I looked like I was getting married. It was bad. So, I just had no clue what I was doing. And um somehow I got cast in it and I just fell in love with it. And from there um I got referred to a children's theater that a bunch of the kids in the show had grown up doing called Christian Youth Theater. And now it's all over the country, but at the time it was just in San Diego where I grew up. And so I joined that theater company and I was there until I graduated high school, which was basically my training. I was one of those that didn't ever take formal classes. I just learned by doing Um, And I was really lucky that my whole career has been a bizarre combination of luck (laughs) and talent that wasn't really honed by taking any lessons. And it got to the point where I was actually a little bit afraid to go the traditional route and take lessons of any sort because I didn't want to mess up what seemed to be working okay. So it was not the typical trajectory, and it's not what I would ever recommend. Like, (laughs) just figure it out as you go. This sounds a little irresponsible. That's hilarious. I actually started doing theater in Christian Youth Theater in the first Chicago area branch of that. That's so funny. Wait, what? Get out! Yeah, yeah, back in, uh, I must have started in like 2004-ish. Yeah, and that was my training too initially. That's so funny. Some dear friends of mine were the ones that started that area. That's really cool. 
Wow. Oh, we're CYTers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's Spotlight now in、uh, the Chicago area. There was some drama there. I don't know a lot about it. That sounds juicy. I don't know anything about that. Yeah, me neither. I was long gone by then. Wow, that's, that's crazy. It's a small world. Uh huh. Yeah, and then voiceover stuff just kind of awkwardly, naturally followed after that when I got into college.、Uh, I had a friend that worked in the industry and offered to hook me up with an agent, and I didn't even know, what, again, I didn't even know what voiceovers were. And、um, I was, again, super lucky, and as told by Ginger, was only my third or fourth audition on the circuit when I was still just so green.、Um, and I was really young. I think I was. 19, maybe, when I auditioned, and 20 when the pilot got picked up for the first season. That's really yeah, young. Yeah, a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it's been like 16, so yeah, whatever. That's, no, that's, that's, that's incredible. That's incredible. So,、um, Casey, why don't you ask your question? Oh, man. Well, the, the Broadway thing is actually new to me. I,、uh, news to me. That's incredible. I actually just moved to New York, and I want to make the interview all about that now, but I know I can't, so I'll restrain myself. <laughs> We could do a part two. Right, yeah, exactly. I guess I'm interested in the, what the recording process was like. Would you guys do an episode at, the, at a time? Were you all in the room together every time? How did that process work? Yeah, so that was really fun.、Um, The way it would typically work is they would send us our scripts maybe a week ahead of time、um, so that we could prepare. And in the beginning, I think we all spent a ton of time because we recognized that this show was so special and it was unlike anything else that was out there. So we all spent a lot of time prepping. By the end of the show, we would barely read through the script once and show up, and we all just had it in our bodies. The writers knew our voices, we knew the writers' language. And it was all really effortless.、Um, so it got really streamlined as we went.、Um, but we were typically in a booth that could hold about five people、um, with dividers in between each person. So you could see each other's faces if you were to kind of turn your eyes to the side.、Um, but our standard protocol was recording Ginger, Dodie, Macy all together in a room、uh, with no one else there. And then they would just edit in later. And they would typically have Carl and Hoodsy in together. And they would typically have Courtney and Miranda in together,、um, unless schedules prohibited. There w a s a couple of instances where I remember going in completely alone.、Um, but that was abnormal. And it was so fun because we were just ridiculous. We were such goofballs and we had so much fun working together. Everybody would just get into nonsense. And luckily, towards the end, Because we were much more efficient at our jobs, we had more time that we could kind of get away with being ridiculous、that's, and still get our jobs done. That sounds amazing. I actually have two questions about that. So, were you auditioning first for Dodie, or did you try auditioning for other characters and then you were given Dodie? It was just Dodie. That was it. Okay. And my、yeah. second question is do you have any, like, But, you know, just when you were saying、uh, just now about like you guys were just acting really silly, do you guys have any like funny behind the scenes stories like with the voice actors or with the writers or with Emily Kapnick herself? Oh gosh. Well, first of all, I mean, I can't say enough good things about Emily. She's genius. And、oh, the reason that this show was so special is 98% Emily Kapnick. She's an absolute gem.、Um, and she was there every session, every season. And, um, Really, really hands on.、Uh, so I love and adore her. Gosh, it's been so long, but I remember we all, all we had a fantastic time listening to Jackie trying to get through her life. She played、um, Macy. 
and, you know, she talked in that weird, she was always choking on her own phlegm, you know, in recording sessions and just her trying to get through her lines without us all busting up or her busting up <laughs> was often really challenging. And every once in a while, one of us would just to mess with everyone else, go into her voice for our line, you know, just to freak everybody out. Because she just had this strange, none of us had ever heard any character voice like that. It was this weirdest joke. <laughs> it was so perfect for that character. It was hysterical. Um, we all also had a really fun time. I don't know if you guys know this. Um, the theme song that Macy Gray sings, originally they didn't know how the theme song was going to work out. And they had us all come in and record our characters singing a theme song. So somewhere in the vault is Ginger singing it, Dodie singing it, Macy singing it, uh, Miranda singing it. I feel like there were a couple of other characters. I did not know. I knew, we yeah. knew about Ginger and Miranda. Those were used sometimes in actual episodes, but um, none of the others. I mean, if I could hear Macy singing the theme song just once. That would be um, amazing. Uh, it was hysterical. It was, I mean, she was just, like, snorting and choking through the whole thing, but it was just precious at the same, like, they could have totally used it. <laughs> it's been great. Uh, you yeah. know what? Yeah. It, it, we're, we're actually going to be speaking to Jackie um, tomorrow, so hopefully oh. we will ask her to sing the theme song as Macy. <laughs> yeah. Do it. <laughs> Uh, but, you know, if, if you want, I mean, we've never actually heard the theme song as Dodie. So, I mean, if you want to, please, by all means. Oh, my gosh. Do I even remember the words? Uh, it's oh. it's uh, someone once oh. told me the grass oh, right. is much greener on the other okay. side. Go ahead. I haven't even done Dodie's voice in 16 years. Uh, okay, let's see. Someone once told me the grass is much greener on the other side. I mean, you know, it was obviously like it had to be slightly overdone because Dodie wouldn't do it appropriately. Oh, that is amazing. That's amazing. That is incredible. <laughs> Thank you. It seemed different, but exactly the same. <laughs> this is the kind of quality you're getting here, listeners. I hope you appreciate this. <laughs> Oh, that's fantastic. Oh, yes, absolutely. So, uh, Casey, you're, you're next. I, I, I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> I'm curious how you guys sort of developed your dynamic as a trio, because it reads so well on the show, and obviously the animation has a lot to do with that, but the the dynamics of the group as a as friends are, I think, the most interesting part of the show. So I'm curious how you guys developed that. Yeah, I totally agree. I, I honestly think a majority of that was the writers, and a majority of that was Emily. It was in the script. We were really lucky that they cast us all. We, we were really friends in real life. Um, everybody was extremely low maintenance, which is essential for developing chemistry with other people that you're reading with. That there's no <laughs> like sometimes there can be tensions in casts, and um, then it's hard to get past that in the performance. But everybody was just so genuinely lovely that it was really easy. And I think we, I think we actually got a lot better as we went. Um, I've actually watched very few of the episodes, um, to be honest. But I remember just from being in the moments, I remember being so proud of how far it felt like we had come as a trio, uh, finding our rhythm together and 
the way that they allowed our characters to grow up a little bit as the show went on, not just the dramatic, like, oh, the big finish, everybody's married with kids. Before that, they gradually let us evolve and their hairstyles changed and they got a little bit older sounding. And I mean, poor Dodie didn't get any wiser, but grew a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, it was really fun to do that with a group of women that were actually just lovely souls to work with. That's amazing. So, um, in, um, you know, with uh, what you remember, whether it be like your favorite episode that you did on uh, when you were doing recording or when you watched the episode, which ones have been your favorites? Okay, so that's probably a two-part answer. If I were asked, like, what I thought were the best episodes, like as a, a viewer, um, without even thinking about it, Hello Stranger, for sure, is, uh, is, my, is my top. We just talked about that episode on the show, actually. Jared said the same thing. Yeah, like to me, it's it's head and shoulders, like no comparison, the best episode. I think it's one of the best episodes of TV, like period, like for like young adult programming. That was so unbelievably, like I've got goosebumps right now and I haven't watched that episode in 15 years. You, you, ha- you have to watch it now that you're talking to us. You have to watch it. It's it's still amazing. I'm sure. I feel like it would hold up still today. Oh, it's it's even better now. That yeah. type of subject matter, right? Like. Or I feel like a lot of other shows might have wrapped the ending of that episode up in a tidier bow. And I loved that they were brave enough not to. I loved that Ginger's dad just did not show up. And there was no happy ending there for her. And I thought that that was so unbelievably fantastic because that is so many kids' reality. And they don't see themselves on TV when they watch a cartoon. But they did in that episode. And I thought that was gutsy. Um, I loved it. And of course the boys, like, I remember the boys had a ridiculous plot in that one too. Um, my second, yeah, they're just absurd. Those two boys and the women who played them, there's not enough applause. Um, I also, and I don't know if everyone else loves this one or this was just me, but I remember crying when I watched Comeback Little Seal Girl. Oh, I love that episode. I just found it so sweet and it made me want to be like, I want to grow up and be like Macy, I just want to not care. I want to be that secure with myself. Um, I, I just thought it was really sweet. And I thought Dodie was just awful in that one. Um, <laughs> the most fun, <laughs> the most fun was totally different. The ones where I enjoyed myself the most were probably when poor Dodie was just at her absolute crappiest, just her worst. Um, Dodie's big break was so fun to do because she just got so out of control of Lice and Friends, where she was just, like, the worst human being ever. I mean, it's a mess. I mean, she's just a disaster. And it was so fun to do. Dodie on a power trip was a fun recording session. And then there's one that I don't know if anyone talks about, again, because this is so bizarre, because I didn't know that As Told by Ginger was even a thing anymore until really recently, until I've ran into some friends with kids that are now of the age where they're watching it. And they're like, oh, yeah, uh, episodes are all over YouTube, and people love it, and it's still relevant. That made me so happy. That was a tangent. The other one that I really enjoyed doing, and you might have to help me, because I don't remember the name of the episode. There's like a school play. It was like a Halloween theme. Oh, um, I Spy a Witch. Yes, 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 yes. They did like a musical like about the Salem... Was it like the Salem Witch Church? It was like the yes. Crucible. Yes, it was like, like it was like a yeah, it was basically like a, a childlike musical version of the Crucible, and you had that yes. song like like you know there's no one will ever believe you. Oh so gosh. come and tell us what you do. She's a witch you can't deny. Everyone gather, we shall fry. 
join us in our Salem barbecue. Something like Wait, that. Was I in that song? Yes, yes, really you, familiar. yes, yes, you were in that song. Yes. Okay, that episode was absurd, and it was so fun to do. We had a great time. Um, the the musical segment was like the best part of that whole episode. Best slash worst. It was so great because also what was fun, the three of us were actual singers. Also, that was like actress slash singer. But you know, when you do something like this, you 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 can't sound like you're actually a singer. So we were all dumbing our voices down and being our characters. Plus, I got the added excitement of being Dodie trying to be a man badly. All them not being singers and also being bad actors in their play at the same time. So it was like this five-level mission for us to tackle, and we just had a ball. Oh, I forgot about that song. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm just a big geek who would actually remember this stuff, so... I'm laughing, remembering it. Yeah. Um, one of my favorite Dodie episodes is Losing Nana Bishop, where she finds out that her grandmother passed away, and she talks about the fond memories that she had with her. Yeah. I remember that episode catching me a little bit by surprise when I read the script. There were not a whole lot of moments where it was like, oh, Dodie has a heart, like a real heart. (laughs) (laughs) She's not only obsessed with herself. Like, at that point, reading that script, I was like, oh, Dodie even has a grandmother that she really cares a lot about so that was a fascinating episode to record yeah i felt like it was just a different side of a character that had been tempting to play at times a little bit two-dimensional because she was such a foil for the other girls so that was a really interesting one okay that episode was kind of dark wasn't it yeah basically like, you know like a coffin rolling across the deck of a ship or something yes that's what happens Yep. yeah it's pretty jarring that stuck with me from like childhood when i watched that episode yeah that part was a little bit creepy. I'm remembering that. Yeah. Anyway, Casey, uh, do you have any other questions? Ashley and I do a show called the Friday Night Nicktoons podcast, which is how we met Patricia, who does her own show. And we have never seen As Told by Ginger all the way through, which is sort of why we're doing this with Patricia, who has seen every episode and clearly knows the show very well. So we haven't we haven't seen everything exactly yet. But on the episode which we had Patricia on our show, she brought some of her favorite episodes, and two of them were ones you mentioned, actually. Um, the Little Seal Girl one and Hello Stranger, and we, we both really enjoyed those. Uh, do I have a question? <laughs> Let me think. I think I'm good if you want to start going to our listener questions, Patricia. Absolutely, and we have uh, quite a few, and uh, Casey, try to see if we can get a hold of Ashley. Yeah, she has contacted me, and she is unavailable at this time, unfortunately. Oh, that's too bad. Well, um, don't worry, Ashley, you are missed. Okay, we actually have a lot of questions from our followers from the We're In Between forums, so... If you want to, you know, the next time that we have a special guest, uh, please post your questions at we'reinbetween.freeforms.net. And also, if you want to talk about each episode we talk about once a week, then please post on there as well. So, um, yeah, we actually have a lot of questions. And uh, one of them is from Norbert. And he says, hello, Aspen. I follow you on Twitter and Instagram. I am <laughs> snorbert D on Instagram. You may recognize me. I commented on some of your photos and you replied. As told by Ginger is a great cartoon. And I'm sure that Constant Pain would have been too. It's so sad that the latter never became a TV show. The pilot was phenomenal, and it's one of my top ten favorite pieces of animation. So, um, a few questions about that. Are you aware of Constant Pain's cult following? About a month ago, I tweeted you mentioned about... Yeah, it is true. I'm not even joking. Okay, so... 
he actually mentioned this in the question. So a few years ago, I was involved with a series of podcasts called Nick Smissel, in which it talks about rejected or canceled Nickelodeon projects and pilots and spinoffs. And one of them is Constant Pain. Constant Pain has one of the, if not the biggest followings online. People Wait, hold on. Wait. Wait, wait, how do people even know what it is? The, the reason what? why, yeah, what it is is that a few years ago it was re, it was leaked online. And, you oh. know, so it was it was leaked online on YouTube and it exploded like wildfire. There's been lots of people talking about it, like top 10 best canceled pilots and whatever. And people, Stop. I'm not joking, people have posted on forums, on websites, saying that they want to see Constant Pain come back. They've talked to wow. the creator. It is insane. So, yes. Um, anyway, continuing with the question. Um, yeah, there, uh, one upload of the pilot has over a million views. Even what? though, yes, it's true. I've even seen it, and I've, uh, it's, it's, I know it's crazy. Anyway, it, even though that it's very unlikely to happen, if Nickelodeon were ever to greenlit constant pain right now and called you up asking for you to reprise your role as Amanda Payne, would you do it? In a heartbeat. Totally in a heartbeat. Awesome. Yeah. That was also a very long time ago, so it's very foggy in my brain, but I remember it being fabulous, and I remember everyone being a little bit baffled when it didn't get greenlit. Yeah, there's a long, complicated story about that. I'm sure that, you know, um, if, it, if any of you guys are interested in, you know, checking it out, I did an entire episode of Nick's Missile, so go listen to that, or, you know, who knows, Casey, maybe you, Ashley, and I can, I can appear as a guest on the podcast, and we actually can talk about, like, canceled Nickelodeon pilots that never happened. That's a great idea, because I know nothing about this. That's a great idea. So, yeah. Um, let me see. He, um, he, let's see. he also asked another question. Um, I know you don't do as much voiceovers and animation anymore. Let's see. Would you, do you know if Keith David and Fred Tattashore would reprise their roles if they, uh, as uh, Doc Payne and Uncle Watt, uh, Watton, respectively, if that ever happened? Gosh, I don't know. I haven't spoken to either of them since we recorded that pilot, actually. I loved working with Keith David. We were there working at the same time. And he was just lovely and such a gifted actor. Oh, he's amazing. Um, yeah. And I really miss doing animation, actually. The only reason that I don't now is because as soon as I moved to New York, the whole landscape here changed um, for me. There's not a whole lot of animation that happens here. It's all in L.A. Most of the voiceover stuff that's here is <clears throat> uh, commercial and promo and narration for films and documentaries and things like that there's just not a lot of animation so i still held on to my animation agents and we still chat and talk about how in 30 years when i'm old and gray i'm gonna move back to the west coast and i'll still have my agents but um but it's been years and years and years since i've done it and i miss it it was so fun yeah. going to work in your pajamas and getting to work on a nominated television show that like changed people's childhoods was such an honor. That was just a gift. Absolutely. Since you've done both on stage work and voiceover work, what is the difference between the two? And do you think voice acting is unappreciated compared to stage acting? What do you like doing more? Hmm. The second part of that question is interesting. Um, they couldn't be more different actually. Um, I like them both for really different reasons. Um, at my core, I am and always will be a stage performer. Um, I have gotten my highs in life from the adrenaline and from the audience feedback that I get from live performing. 
Um, so whether that was like touring with a band or being on Broadway or just in shows growing up, um, that is always where I remember being at my happiest. That's where I always felt like I was the most me. So that will always kind of be number one for me. But um, I've actually technically retired. It sounds like such an old fogey term to use. I've retired from from Broadway uh, now that I'm a mom, just because the schedule is not what I would need it to be. Now I'm only a voiceover artist. What I used to do voiceover-wise is pretty different than what I do now. Doing animation almost felt sort of close to what I had grown up knowing. I felt like I was still acting and I was still being creative and I was still getting feedback from people around me. Um, and what I do now, like, could not be more boring. Um, I do, I do commercials here and there, but mostly I do, like, an all-new episode of blah 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 coming up tonight at ten. Like, I do that. Like, it's not creative. It's not stimulating. I get no feedback anywhere. And it's that, and I do ESL stuff, which is English as a second language. Um, you know, where I'm, I'm basically pronouncing phonics and I'm reading science audiobooks. Uh, so there's no more adrenaline in my life, which is okay because I'm a little on the older side and I've had my fill of adrenaline, but the two worlds are really different and they both are fascinating to me. I do think that the second part of that question is interesting. Um, I totally think voiceover acting is kind of an underrated art form in general, um, mostly because a lot of people just can't do it. Um, it seems really easy. And uh, it is not. It is not easy. And all the different types of voiceover acting are so different that you can be really good at animation and you may not be able to book a job ever doing commercial or promo. Um, the styles are all so different. And especially if you're a stage actor and you're used to having a bunch of tools in your toolkit that involve your face, your body, um, the way you carry yourself on stage, a natural charisma when people look at you, uh, your beauty, whatever. You don't have any of that when you're behind a mic. So you have to completely relearn uh, a craft as a voiceover actor if you didn't start there. So uh, I have utmost respect for people who have made a career out of it. Um, yeah, that was a cool question. Was that also from Norbert? Yes. Uh, he has one more question. Good question. Yeah, absolutely. Good question, Norbert. Uh, his last question is, uh, and we already talked about, like, you know, you, uh, your experiences on working on As Told by Ginger, but he was asking about, um, have you ever been recognized in the real world for vo voicing Dodie? And has anybody ever stopped you on the street because you sound like her? <laughs> oh my gosh, I hope I don't sound like her. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> tell me the truth. Do I sound like her? No, not at all. No, no. <laughs> Oh my gosh. I've only been recognized on the street for playing her one time. And it was really, really recently. I don't know. Do people know who voices characters and like what they look like? Would they, is that a thing? Yeah, it's called IMDb. <laughs> <laughs> but only the super obsessed, really. I did hear this great story. I'm blanking on her name. The The voice actress who's in like everything. She was Azula. Great Al Griffin. Yeah, great. Yeah, she, uh, she'll she order her coffee in her Azula voice. Isn't that amazing? Oh my god, no way. Oh my gosh. <laughs> that is amazing. I, I, even rec I even know this... I, have you ever, hey Casey, have you ever seen that one video about when, um, when Man Nancy Cartwright, the voice of Bart Simpson, was going into England and there was this restaurant that was just about to be closed, and then she said, "Hey, I'm Bart Simpson." It's like, come on in. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> That's great. That's amazing. It's like, yeah, I'm sure that for some voice actors, they will take advantage of the fact that, hey, I voiced this character. I'm going to get some certain privileges. <laughs> right. No, I, I definitely don't fall into that category. I mean, I, no, I'm like, if there's like A list, B list, I'm I'm way way at the bottom. So I I would never expect to be recognized on the street. Um, it's only happened once, and it was a fluke because I happened to put on Twitter that I was going to see some Broadway show, and a kid, I wish I could remember his name so I could say hi on the off chance that he'd listen. Um, was so sweet and came like with a picture for me to sign, and I was really freaked out. <laughs> freaked out Aww, that's so I was sweet. So that I wasn't there by myself because it really terrified me. I just don't have any experience with that. I I didn't even know what was happening. Um, yeah, but he was really sweet. Well, that's very sweet. Anyway, listen. Um, there, there are, there is a, there was one person online, um, Heartlover one seven one seven, and this person asked a lot of spoiler centric questions that, um, you know, for the sake of Casey not seeing the series as a whole, I'm gonna wait those out until the end. So, okay. um, okay. In the meantime, uh, because you know, um, you know, not to be, uh, how we say, kind of uncomfortably controversial because of. Dodie as a character, there have been a few people who've actually asked questions about Dodie as a character, and um, this comes from DJ, and he says, what's it like playing a character that gets almost nothing but hatred from the fan base, and what do you see Dodie as in general? Okay, so that's also a two-parter. Um, I'll hit the second half first. So, to me, when I was playing Dodie, I always tried really hard to not play her with any sort of judgment from me personally toward her. Half of my job was just working to put that judgment away so that I could play her completely genuinely. Otherwise, it wouldn't work. Um, because, I mean, nobody likes Dodie. Like, I don't personally like Dodie. She's not a nice person. But I think that she served a really important role in the show, even though she drove people insane. To me, a central theme of that show was Ginger literally growing up in front of us, figuring out who she is and who she wants to be, and what kind of a person, what kind of a friend she wants to be. And she was trying to find a balance between Dodie's type of personality, which is someone who is completely 100% tunnel vision obsessed with fitting in and being like everyone else and not standing out and being accepted. And the opposite, Macy's total lack of need to be socially accepted total lack of need to be like everybody else. She just did not care. She was so confident and she couldn't have been more different. And she was one of the happiest characters on that show because she just didn't care. And I felt like it was Ginger just trying to find her path in the midst of that awfulness that is being prepubescent and adolescent and early teenagehood is so hard. Um, so I thought it was important to have friends on either side of her that kind of showed that chasm where she was just kind of skating around in the middle trying to figure out where she was going to land. So Dodie was an important factor in that. She was kind of serving as a cautionary tale on that far swing of the pendulum where you just do not want to land. But to answer the first part of that question, I was actually so lucky that we were doing this show before social media existed. Oh, yes. Before people were uploading episodes of TV shows onto YouTube and putting comments up. Before blogs existed. I mean, we weren't getting any feedback. We didn't know what anybody thought of our show. Back then, it sounds like in the old days, back then, the only feedback you get is Nielsen ratings. 
how many people tuned in to your show, or feedback from a network whether or not you get picked up, or whether you get nominated for an award. That was it. Like, there was no other feedback. I am really glad now that I didn't find out that the whole planet hates Dodie Bishop (laughs) until really recently. Like I said earlier, when I had friends that were like, oh, yeah, my kid's obsessed with this. And I'm like, I didn't even know this was still a thing and it was still airing and people even knew what it was. And then they're like, oh, my gosh, you should go on YouTube. All the episodes are up there and people are talking about it. And at first I was delighted. And I'm like, wow, that's amazing that it's still as relevant as I thought that it should be today. And then I saw the comments and was like, whoa. Because I just, oh, oh I'm boy. Or don't even. Oh, man, people hate her. <laughs> It's too much, in my opinion, because Dodie is a great middle school type because there are so many like her. I think people get put off when they see themselves in characters, and I think that's honestly a part of it. Yeah, and don't you feel like maybe Dodie represents a little bit of kind of the instinctive animal ugly part of us that's kind of in there? Yes. Like, no matter how grounded and self-aware we are, like... If we were to be exhausted on our worst day and just snap, we'd all kind of have a little bit of Dodie in there. Oh, yeah. Okay, so let's see. Uh, Pink Dolphin 92, we already answered the question about, uh, you know, um, Aspen's favorite episode was. So let's move on to Hoodsy Bishop Fan. And this person says, Aspen, out of the horrible things that Dodie has done to Ginger, what was the absolute worst in your opinion? (sighs) Oh, man. The list was so long, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I mean, her getting in the middle of the whole issue with Darren when she was going to write that letter to Ginger, Darren's cheating on you, and then she didn't, and that whole thing was probably about as messy as it got, I'd say. Oh, God. I, sti- I still am not even going to take a stand on what I think she should have done. The whole issue of, like, would you want to know if you if your friend, like, that whole slope is very complicated. Um, but uh, that was about as messy as it got, I felt like, because they were getting older. She'd already screwed Ginger over so many times by then, and Ginger had proven to just be just relentlessly loyal to her. Um and a lot of people say too forgiving. That's actually the next question. <laughs> yeah. When it gets into the, like when it starts to encroach on the boyfriend, girlfriend relationship territory, that just gets so much more personal. That one was probably one that I felt the most squeamish about. Sure. All right. Um, did you have a Doty in your life growing up and what similarities did they share? Oh, that's interesting. There definitely was a girl that was in the same theater company as I was off and on. She did not have the manic side of Dodie, but she did have the completely self-absorbed, would literally elbow people out of her way without even noticing if somebody was luring a golden ticket, like at the end of a, you know, just unaware of people around her. So I had someone in my life who was like that. Um, and I, I, just made it a point to never get all that close um just because I my alarm bells went up when I first met this person so I was never like personally dragged around like Ginger was um so I haven't had that type of experience I don't know I think I would just naturally tend to avoid somebody that was like Dodie people like that make me shut down a little bit I get very easily overwhelmed if there's someone that just cannot turn it off 
and Dodie is just like 120% all the time. Like she probably just wakes up like uh, on crack. Do you know what I mean? To be a little bit rampant in the musical theater world, like people that just can't shut it off, like they're on or off, and there's no just hanging out, being cool. I feel like Dodie just can't. There's no in between. Oh yeah. Oh boy. Okay. So um, why don't we talk about something a little lighter, shall we? Um, okay. Here's a here. Is a, this is actually a spoiler-free question from Heart Lover One Seven One Seven. So this is about the pilot. Do you recall the lyrics from the Pony Girl song that you sang, where Dodie and Macy are at the slumber party? Oh my God! It's like Pony Girls are hot. We know how to rock and go chop chop chop. It's like when I first saw that, I was like, What is this? Now that you sang it, I remember it, and it's terrible. It is the what? I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry, Emily, if you're listening to this, which I no, doubt. This is the that was the worst thing you ever read. <laughs> it's terrible. And in your defense, I don't think it was supposed to be good. But also, I, I specifically remember that recording session, and I remember being like, "How? What is this song? How does it go?" And then being like, "No, you just make it up. Like there is no melody." And so we just did, I mean, we did a terrible job and no one bothered to say, well, maybe we should try it a different way. We just left it. So it was partially our fault and, and partially uh, it was never really meant to be anything that great. But, oh, you're right. That was so bad. (laughs) (laughs) Now now that I think about it now, it's like the most amazingly awful thing ever that happened in the series. It's like, wow. (laughs) And, and then the fact that they have like the, the colored wigs and the, Honest, I totally forgot all about that pilot. The pilot, believe it or not, the pilot was not aired on TV until two years ago. Oh. Yeah. They, it, because they should have stayed in the vault with that pony thing. Yes. Oh, my God. Well, anyway. I hear people hate that so much. No, 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 no. It's not. It's better on that song. It was, no, it's, you know? it's, it's amazing. It is amazing. <laughs> Uh, it's it's bad, but it's awesome. <laughs> okay, okay, let's let's move on. <laughs> okay, um, let's take a break from as told by Ginger for now. So, uh, I remember seeing a video on YouTube a few years ago where you were on stage with Meatloaf. What was that like? <laughs> what was it like? I mean, was he, was he a nice guy? Was I mean, because he looked like a you know like you know like those you know stereotypical rock stars. You know, it's like. Oh, you know, like they, they have like the long hair and stuff like that. Yes. So. Yes. <laughs> okay, I'm trying to figure out what I can say and what I cannot say. Sure. Um, it was a wild experience. Wild. Meatloaf is a huge personality. He has a huge heart, and it's exposed at all times. Um, like he is just full on heart on his sleeve gigantic personality, very childlike in his excitement and exuberance to try new things and be creative and do something different on stage every night of an, a year-long tour. Uh, it, um, it was a really high-energy year and a half of touring with that band. It was me on a you know tour bus and planes with a bunch of dudes. like It was just a huge band of guys. And then me and this other backup singer named Cece Coletti. Um, so that was an interesting experience just in itself. 
Um, I mean, it was amazing and it was awful at the same time. Oh. Um, I, I saw the world and it was exhausting and it was so much work, so much more work than I expected. But, you know, it, it was hard for me being away from my life for such a long chunk of time. Um, I didn't grow up wanting to be in, like, the record industry and be a recording artist. So I never anticipated that I would be just living in Europe for basically a year and put relationships on back burners and not see my family and give up my dogs to a family that, you know, a lot of stuff that, no, you know, nobody talks about because nobody cares really. <laughs> oh, boo-hoo, I had to go on a world tour. It sounds terrible. Um, but there's a, there was a lot of struggle at the same time as all of those highs that I was experiencing. And again, I was, I was young, you know, I was in my mid-20s, but there was a lot of emotional turmoil during that tour because I had replaced a woman who had been Meatloaf's duet partner for years and years and years. And she had a huge following, and the two of them together had a huge fan base. Uh, and then she left the band, and I was brought in at the very last second, right before launching a world tour. And uh, I looked like I was Meatloaf's granddaughter. I mean, at that point, I mean, I looked young, but then I looked really young. And I'm really small. I'm, you know, 5'1", and just very, very petite. So I looked like he could just swallow me, like as an appetizer. So us playing romantically opposite each other on stage, it just didn't play well. And uh, it ended up being received just terribly. Um, the fans were just ruthless. They were absolutely brutal. And this was during the very early years of social media. So it was really harsh. The media absolutely just tore us to pieces. And Meatloaf was really stressed out the entire tour. He was very upset, um, trying to find a way to make it work. They actually made a documentary. They followed us and made a feature film documentary. Uh, what is it? Meatloaf, Road to Paradise? I, I, think that's, I think that's what it's called. Yeah, which is actually a pretty realistic behind-the-scenes picture of what was happening during the formation of that tour. Um, so there was a lot of stress. I felt like I might lose my job at any day. Like Even though I felt like I was giving it absolutely everything I could, I knew it just wasn't really working. Everybody hated it, which was a terrible feeling to have, you know, feeling like you're letting everyone down and there's just nothing you can do. So that was hard. But looking back on it, the fact that I got to travel the world when I was in my 20s and sing for a living and pay off my student loans because of it, I mean, it was an incredible experience. So like I said, it's complicated. Yeah, I <laughs> can imagine. Horrible. Yeah. You, you ought to write an autobiography about that. I know. I should write it all down just before I start to forget it all. That'd be awesome. Yeah. All right. Um, we have two more questions right before we conclude it. So uh, this is one from my uh, YouTube channel, and it's from Brendan Barney. And he says, how did it feel that the later episodes got held up until many years later? Oh, I mean, it was interesting at the time. We didn't have a whole lot of notice that everything was going to be winding down. Everyone was kind of scrambling on the creative side to figure out how to wrap everything up. I remember I didn't see what the future versions of all these characters were going to look like until years after we wrapped the show. I never saw what they were supposed to look like, and I thought it was hysterical. I thought it was really funny. And I thought it was particularly funny that Dodie ended up with Chad Zipper. I thought that was hilarious. I was very happy that Ginger ended up finding love where we all wanted her to. That was very sweet. 
there's definitely something a little bit creepy about it, right? I I guess. (laughs) Anyway, so, um, yeah, this one is uh, actually heavily spoiler question. So, Casey, I'm going to have can you just mute your mic for just, like, two minutes. Yep, can you message me on Twitter when you're done? Yep. Uh, actually, I can message you here on this like so, this um, Google Hangout thing, so just read into it. I'm going to read you the question right now. So, <clears throat> in About Face, due to her father's intervention, Dodie experiences a bit of character growth and even confronts her mother. However, the way she refers to and speaks to Chad Zipper, she still has a little bit of her mother's control issues. Now, imagine this. Do you think there was any hope for her daughter? Oh, well... I know. This person's been to therapy, huh? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I mean, like, being real? Probably not. (laughs) I mean, we, like, boy, that is tricky. I I mean, I can can imagine it's really tricky for you because you have a daughter now, so. Yeah, and I've also been in tens of thousands of dollars worth of therapy, so I, I... get that whole dynamic of continuing family cycles and I also held quite fiercely for several years after we wrapped the show onto the idea that you know it wasn't totally Dodie's fault I'm not absolving her of any responsibility for the way that she acts but she was taught it by her mother I mean she was modeled these types of behaviors and we didn't see all of that until almost the end of the run of the show obviously but, um, you know, we know her mom was kind of a hot mess, but we didn't know how bad until this point. And then it became really clear that Daryl just never had a chance. She just never had a healthy role model. Um, I like to think that maybe Dodie gets some therapy before her daughter got too old and is able to turn things around. Because I do think that there are ways out and there are ways to end those horrible cycles. And I would hope because Dodie's daughter was really cute. Yeah, she um, was. I, I would hope for her daughter's sake. Yeah. But I think that if she didn't get some professional help, her daughter was probably totally screwed. Oh, God. It's like yeah. it's like watching an animated version of Toddlers and Tiaras. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, uh, speaking of which, do you think jo- Dodie will ever dress her daughter like a tiny pep squad member? I mean, that was probably the birth announcement. Oh. <laughs> imagine okay um do you think that Dodie will uh, do you think that Dodie was genuinely happy for Ginger's good fortune and success you know when we see at the end of the 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 series in which you know she gets her she does her book reading and stuff like that so okay I'd like to think that Dodie had matured a little bit by the end I don't think we saw enough of them then to know really how much had changed there um I'd like to think that she was but Dodie's personality tended to be real fleeting moments of clarity um which seemed to me completely genuine but they were really short-lived so she'd be just delighted by her friend's forgiveness very humbled really penitent I'm so so sorry and literally five minutes later, she doesn't even remember that it happened. So, yeah, I mean, it's possible that she lived the rest of her life that way. I, <laughs> I would like to think not. I see. All right. <clears throat> and, um, okay, do you think she'll introduce herself as either Mrs. Zipper or Deidre Zipper or Deidre Hortense Bishop Zipper? How do you think she'll introduce herself as? 
I think she probably makes Chet take her last name. What? <laughs> I wouldn't I mean, be surprised. She's a, like not because she's like a hardcore feminist, but just because I think she might be kind of self-absorbed, and Chet might be that malleable. <laughs> it is definitely a possibility. All right, that's it for the spoiler questions. Let me get Casey back on. Okay. One final question, and um, so yeah, when you know when you found out just recently about how much the series is beloved as a whole by, you know, all the people that you were meeting up with. So, you know, for you personally, how does that make you feel? I feel humbled that I was even able to be a part of something like that. I, I don't know that many shows that, especially shows that were not on the air for 10 years, you know, we're no West Wing, like that was on for an entire generation of, of, of fans. Um, and it was an animated children's show the fact that so many people are so emotionally attached to it it's not something like they just got entertainment value from people tell me that it helped them through really rough times in their childhood and that they saw themselves in really awkward family dynamics and it was so comforting to know that they weren't the weirdo um or if they were the weirdo but it was okay to claim that and just be the weirdo and that there was hope for being happy still that is, I mean, I I would have never known growing up that an animated show could do that. So it, it was humbling to be able to be a part of something like that. And honestly, I can't wait until my daughter is uh, of the age where I can sit down and binge watch the whole series with her. Because I think it'll be a great teaching tool and a great communication opener. Speaking of your daughter, uh, Casey and I want to wholeheartedly wish your daughter a very happy birthday. Thank you. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, anyway, so we want to thank you so much for your time, Aspen. It's it's been we really, really do appreciate it. Oh, thanks, you guys. That was really fun. So yeah, uh, why don't you um, you know, do you have any upcoming projects that you like to share? Where can people find you at? So yeah, why don't you do your plug and promotions? Nothing. Nowhere. most of the time. Uh, my username there is Little Green Orchids. Orchids like the flower. O-R-C-H-I-D-S. Um, and I don't have a public Facebook page, actually, but uh, I do have Twitter, Aspen Vincent. I'm not on there a ton. I spend most of my social media energy on Instagram. Awesome. I have one last treat for you that just popped into my head. Are you ready? Yes. Okay. At Camp Caprice, Priest, Priest, we don't say Moses, we say me, son, we feel proud, proud, proud. Oh my god, thank you. So let us know in the comments below about um, your favorite um, <coughs> doting moments or let us know um, you know, your opinions about other projects that Aspen had been involved in. So yeah, that should be it for this episode. Uh, in a few weeks from now, we will be posting up our interview with Jackie Harris-Greenberg, the voice of Macy. And uh, who knows, maybe we have a few more other guests up our sleeve. So that is it for this episode. Hope we see you around soon. And thank you for listening. Hey, hey.